Today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you have your Bible, turn with me there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 to 11 is where we're going to be today. Uh, as you can just, you know, I know many of you are very perceptive. And uh, we're, we're getting to the end of this book. Uh, and so, you know, 15 and then 16 and then it's done. And so... Our plan, I, I told you we'd be done with this by the end of August, and so I think actually what I told you is by the end of July, but then I said the end of August, and so uh, we've, um, we've got these two chapters, and what we're going to do is we're going to spend the next four weeks, including today, on chapter 15, and then we're going to spend one week on chapter 16. Not, not that that 16 isn't important, but it's really... a summary of the, the entire book and chapter 15 is very important and uh, it talks about the gospel and today we're going to see that it talks about the, the importance of the resurrection and how that applies to our life and the importance of it today and and even then and so uh, if you have your bibles just turn with me to first corinthians 15 um, you know i just want to say how much i appreciate people like roger and and people like seth who have kind of stepped up and filled in while Matt's gone, while Kathy's gone, I, I just want to let you know, I'm never going to forgive Amy Grooms for allowing my wife to be gone this weekend, you know, and so how dare she ask my wife to be gone on a Sunday morning, that's just, or on a weekend for that matter, Whew. it's pretty rough. You don't know what, how much your wife does until she's not around, and it's like, whew. Amen. And all of God's people said, Anna. Hey, listen, but I am, I'm really, I mean, this isn't Seth is doing a great job. I mean, he does so good. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's really matured in the last year or two. And, and I'm just, I'm very proud of Seth and all that he's doing for our church. Behind the scenes, he does a lot. And uh, Seth, I appreciate you, buddy. First Corinthians chapter 15. Father God, thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we have to gather together in this place and to worship you. I do thank you for this time that we have to, to gather together in this place and to worship you. And I thank you for the many elements of worship that we've experienced here today. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just allow for us to hear a message from you. Allow for us to, to know that you are here, that you're an unseen guest with us today. And and Father, I pray that as you speak to us, that we would hear and that we would respond. And Father, I know that you have um, a message for us. And so Lord, if you would, just allow for us to hear that word and, and to respond in a way to bring you honor and glory. Lord, I recognize that I have a part in this. And so Father, if you would, just forgive me of my sin, cleanse me of the unrighteousness that is in my life, and give me the grace that is needed to preach your word in a way to bring honor and glory to your name in a way to bring sinners to repentance and believers into a, a time of renewal and their relationship with you. Father, if there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, I pray that today would be that day where they admit that they are a sinner, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and confess say, Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. And they were to do that, Lord, we would give you all the honor and all the glory. Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Uh, every Christian should believe five core beliefs 
of the Christian faith. I, I don't care if you're a Baptist, if you're a, a Presbyterian or a Lutheran or a, a Method, a, Assembly of God, a, a non-denominational. If you profess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, there's five fundamentals of our faith. Five fundamentals of the faith. Now, the first one is the inerrancy of God's Word. This fundamental state that the Bible is completely without error and fully truthful in all of its writings in the original manuscripts, okay? Now, that's a fundamental teaching. Now, listen, uh, the original manuscripts were written in Greek and Hebrew, Aramaic. There weren't, they weren't written in ESV or New King James or Old King James or NIV. Those are what? translations okay the the fundamental of our faith is that the original manuscripts were inerrant the second fundamental of our faith is the virgin birth of jesus that we believe that jesus was conceived and married not by man but by his by, by the holy spirit the third is the substitutionary atonement of jesus christ this is the belief that jesus died in our place for our sins and took the penalty of sin at the cross of Christ. The fourth is the reality of the miracles of Jesus. The belief that Jesus actually performed the miracles that are written in Scripture. And the fifth, and most relevant to our passage of Scripture today, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the cornerstone of our Christian faith. Three days after dying, Jesus rose from the grave his physical body was fully resurrected from the grave. Chapter 15 is very important in the history of the church and there are our understanding of the resurrection. When Paul wrote these letters, when Paul wrote, especially like this letter, this chapter, the Gospels hadn't been written yet, friends. I mean, it was 10 years before, at the very minimum, 10 years before the Mark was written, the first gospel. And so you just think about like how important this letter is when, the, when Paul wrote this for the church to fully understand the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This chapter was huge for the church 2,000 years ago, and even today, in 2023, it's still just as important. Listen to how Paul starts off this chapter Verse 1 and 2. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. He says, I, Paul, preached the gospel to them. The gospel is the, the good news of Jesus Christ. If you want me to clarify for you, uh, then turn to your Bible in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. You can turn if you want to. I'll give you a second. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It's not that far away. If you have your Bible. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for your sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Let me read that again. For God made Christ, who had never sinned, to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made, what? Right with God. 
through Jesus Christ. That's the gospel, friends. The best verse, I believe, in all of Scripture that just one verse just completely summarizes the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our Savior, who never sinned, took on our sin so that we could be made right in the image of God. I mean, just think about that for a second. The, the, the man, the Son of God, friends, never sinned, never did wrong, took on your sin. He took on the worst of sinners' sin so that you might be made right in the eyes of God. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then he said that they received the gospel. I preached the gospel, you received it. This word received means they accepted it. Paul had accepted it as well. Friends, make sure that you hear me on this. The gospel of, of Jesus Christ is for absolutely everyone. There isn't one person on this earth throughout the history of the world that the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't for. It's for everybody. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that who? Soever. That's not whosoever, wink, wink. It's whoever wants to believe, to accept the gospel, can be made right in the image of God, in the eyes of God. Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The gospel was for everybody. I mean, it was for Paul, and Paul was persecuting Christians. He was at the death of Stephen. When Stephen was martyred because of his faith, Paul was there. He was a murderer, friends. He was behind it. The gospel is for him. It's for everybody. There isn't a person that it's not for. It's for everybody. Doesn't matter how, what your sins are, doesn't matter how dirty they are, how, how malicious you have been. The gospel is for you. But the reality, listen to me now. Even though it's for you, you've got to receive it. You've got to accept it. I don't care. I mean, like, it's the... Jesus Christ is the best quarterback ever. Okay? But listen, if you don't catch the ball, it doesn't matter who's throwing it. You've got to receive it. You've got to accept it. You've got to put your hands out there and say, I'll take it. It's, there's nobody guarding you, friends. It's a free gift. It's there. But you must receive the, the church in Corinth received it, Paul says. You received it. Now they stand in the gospel. The word to stand is referencing the perseverance of the saints. The word stand in Greek is histemi. It means, to, it means permanent, uh, to persevere, to stand fast. Paul is saying that your salvation is eternal. What God has done for you cannot be undone. Then Paul says, all this saves you unless your faith is what? In vain. The word vain means in this context that your faith means nothing. Faith, our, our, our faith is not to come and walk an aisle and say, you know what, I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and then do nothing with it. It's a lifestyle change. It's a, it's a, it's a bid to come and die. It's a, hey, I'm going to 
live for him for the rest of my life, that I'm going to die to myself and I'm going to live for him. That's what it means to be saved, to follow Jesus. It's not as, ah, that sounds like a good idea. Let's, do, let's check that life insurance policy just right now and then I'm going to do what I want with the rest of my life. No, it's as come and stand firm. Take your post and don't ever waver. I could stop my sermon right here, right? You know, we could just talk about this for the rest of the time, but let's just look at the rest of this passage of Scripture. I want to break this text up from verses 3 to 11 into three parts. The first is verses 3 and 4. Paul is giving the church the basics of the gospel. Christ died, he was buried, and he rose from the grave. Verse 3, For I deliver to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Again, the gospel wasn't a sales pitch for Paul. I mean, he wasn't trying to sell anything. Paul persecuted the, the church for a living until Jesus Christ intercepted his life, right? I mean, this is who Paul was. Make no mistake about it. He doesn't hide from that past. And in that moment, though, he accepted. When, when God interceded on his behalf, he accepted Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He was buried and on the third day, he rose from the grave. What Paul is saying about these events that according to scriptures, I mean, that's what he says, right? He says this over and over, according to the scriptures. What scriptures is he referring to? I mean, the New Testament really hadn't been written yet, so he's obviously, he's referring to the Old Testament. Friends, there are like 300 plus Old Testament scriptures, prophecies that prophesy and were fulfilled by Jesus Christ. Over 300. Some would say closer to four. Here's a good one. Isaiah 25, 7 and 8. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it for you. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations, and he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove people's disgrace from all of the earth. <laughs> Do you remember when you accepted Jesus Christ? Remember that day? I, I, I don't know about you, but when I share it, I get emotional. And it's not emotional, like sad, but even when I hear people talk about their faith, Pastor Ken did it a few weeks ago. Last week, we had McKinnon get baptized here. I'm not sure about you, but when I, I saw that and saw this young man proclaiming Christ, I mean, all he's doing is giving a testimony of what Christ has done, right? He had already made the profession of faith. This is just a sheer testimony. I mean, I got emotional. I was supposed to pray, and I'm like, ah, oh, listen, Kathy, you do it. I, I can't do it. You know, like, you, you know? Do you get emotional? I mean, it's gen like what happened to you. You knew who you were. You know what Christ has done for you. None of that's possible without the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. The second part of this text is from verses 5, 6, and 7. In these verses, Paul discusses that the 
the resurrection, the post-resurrection appearance of Jesus and how they proved beyond any doubt that Jesus rose from the dead. Five, verse five. And Jesus appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Most of them still are alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. Jesus, Jesus didn't just rise from the grave and just, you know, pop in and pop out, right? That's not what he did at all. For 40 days he was there, friends. 40 days. I mean, he appeared to his disciples. He appeared to Peter. He appeared to, to hundreds of people at one time. He wasn't hiding. He didn't pop in, pop. I mean, he was present. Earlier this month, I had 15 people in my house. They were my in-laws. Let me just tell you, they were there for six days. Let me tell you something. When, when you're, I, I love my in-laws, okay? They're watching. I want you to know I'm, I love you all so much. I'm glad that you came. I can say all this because my wife's not here, by the way. You know, if she was here, she, she wouldn't. But, like, listen, make no mistake about it. I remember those six days, all right? Like, I, I haven't forgotten about it, you know? And I, I'm so grateful. Every 4th of July, they come in. It's a great time. I love having them there. And, uh, but... Like, I know they're there. When they're in my house, I, I mean, there's, you can't get away from it. Can't escape it. Six days they were here, friends. Just six, you know. Let's think about this for a second. I mean, Jesus was here for 40 days. For 40 days. Not one week, five weeks. I mean, if you wanted to see Jesus, you could have saw Five weeks, 40 days, he was on this earth after he had sat in a tomb for three days. His body fully resurrected from the grave. And he's out there talking to his disciples. He's meeting 500 people at one time. You want to see him? Take a look. Let's think about this for just a moment. I mean, how did he, when he left the disciples, what did he do? He ascended into heaven and he left his Holy Spirit for them. Forty days he's here after he died. The disciples watched him hang on a cross. The, the ladies would come in and they would treat his body in the tomb. Forty days he's hanging around, holes in his hands. Just think about that for a second, friends. Think about the fact that each one of the disciples... Every single one of them died, almost without exception, almost all of them died a horrible, violent death. None of them turned away from their faith. They all, all of them faced persecution. All of them. They didn't forget, friends. They didn't forget what Christ had done for them. He offered to them forgiveness when they turned their backs on him. When they denied him three times, he offered forgiveness. 
What has Christ done for you? What forgiveness has he offered up to you? What has he done that no one else could do? Sometimes in our faith, we, it's like we try to be somebody that we're not, or we try to be so Mr. or Mrs. Mature, and reality is, is that we, sometimes we just forget about the basics of our faith, that Christ died on the cross for our sins, and the only reason that we're able to stand is by his grace. Don't ever forget about what Christ has done for you, friends. Don't ever grow tired of of telling others about what Christ has done for you. Of sharing your testimony, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to the nations, to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors, to the people that are in this room. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of the gospel. We need to be reminded of what Christ has done for us. In this last part of the text, Paul magnifies the grace of God in which he allowed them to be among the witnesses of Jesus' resurrection. Last of all, verse 8, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached, and so you believed. Friends, this untimely being born here is simply... It's, he wasn't born the same way as, a, as an apostle. He wasn't made an apostle the same way that the others were made. Again, he, he persecuted. The, I mean, God met him on that road to Damascus and changed his life. And because of that, many of the, many of the people in Corinth, the leaders especially, they questioned his apostleship. They questioned his authority to, to teach them, to scold them. To say, hey, you're doing this. I mean, they did not accept his teaching. For I'm the least of the apostles, he says. I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. What's that vain mean? It's not wasted. I didn't, I'm not wasting it. It's not for nothing. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached and you believed. This word preached means to proclaim the gospel, friends. That's all that it means. Many times... uh, People don't believe in the gospel because 
science, it doesn't make sense scientifically, right? I mean, you look at the, the fundamentals of our faith, if we could go back there for just a minute. Which of those makes sense scientifically? Does the scripture being inerrant, that God speaking to 40 men over how many years, and the word of God being perfect, does that make sense scientifically? Does, does the virgin birth make sense scientifically that a woman gave birth because God was with her? Does that make sense scientifically? Does the sacrificial atonement of Jesus Christ, the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ, does that make sense scientifically? Do, do the miracles of Jesus, do they make sense scientifically? Does the, Jesus dying sitting in a tomb for three days and then resurrecting from the grave make any sense? I mean, I'm no scientist, friends, but that makes, I mean, the fundamentals of our faith that we all believe, that we all say, yep, that's the gospel, that's the truth, they make no sense. I mean, like, according to, like, the world, that makes no sense. And the reason we believe is because we have faith in God's Word. We know what Christ has done for us in our own personal lives. We've seen it. We can give testimony. And that's what Paul is saying here. Listen, I preach to you. I proclaim the gospel to you, and you believe. We, we saw it with our own eyes. We saw our Christ resurrected from the grave. We Look at my life. Why would I stop persecuting Christians in one day, one moment, and live for him? I mean, Paul was beheaded. Peter crucified upside down. I mean, just think about the... It makes no sense. And many of us, I think, we, we want what Paul had. We want this miraculous transformation where God to, to speak to us and just make it as clear as possible that he is real, that he's alive, that he's, he's speaking to us. But the Corinthians didn't have that. I mean, the church in Corinth, they had Paul proclaiming the gospel to him. And because of his words, because of his proclamation, they what? Believed. And friends, we're not Paul. I'm not Paul. We don't get that apostle transformation. We get God's word proclaimed to us. And when you believe, and God, friends, I, I believe that God is an unseen guest here today. And many of you, maybe not many, maybe just a few, are here today, but maybe some of you are watching at home. Don't believe. I've never professed Christ as Lord. And the reason that you would make a profession of faith today isn't because of me, but rather because of what God is saying to you right now. That God is using his word, his written word, his spoken word to speak to you, to penetrate your heart, to sanctify your thinking, to correct your desires to transform your heart. That's how God works today, friends. And you must put your faith and trust in him and say, yes, I believe the gospel. It's here. Our God is speaking to you today. He's impressing upon your heart the truth of the gospel. And you must 
seize this moment and say, I will accept it. Or see that ball pass you by and say no. Friends, this is the best chance that you have, though. The best opportunity that you have to say yes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. To receive it. To take it. And allow for the gospel of Jesus Christ to transform your heart, to transform your life, and to live for him. Don't allow this opportunity to pass you by. Lord Jesus, we love you. And we thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather together in this place and to worship you. Father, I pray that there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And Lord, I pray that today would be that day. That they would hear a message from you and respond in obedience. Father, I I pray, Lord, that if someone were to do that today, that they they would share that with me. They would share that with somebody in this room, that they would let someone know of what they have done. That, that we would receive just the joy of that news. And that you would receive the honor and the glory. I pray for the believer that's here that may be struggling, that may be going through a hard time. Father, I pray that in this moment that they would hear from you, that they would be reminded of your love, of your grace, and of your mercy. Father God, we love you, and we just pray that you would work now in our time of response. As we close this sermon, Father, I pray that you would not stop speaking to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.